giant robot smashing into other giant robots. Hello, everybody. This is Ben Orenstein with the Giant Robots Smashing into Other Giant Robots podcast. It is October 23rd, and I am here today with Brennan Dunn, author of Double Your Freelancing Rate, founder of PlanScope, which is a tool to manage the budget, scope, and timelines of your projects, and recently, a workshop on building your own consultancy. And as he just told me as we kicked off the podcast, even more projects that I'm sure we're going to dive into. Uh, welcome, Brennan. Hey, how's it going? It's going really well. Good. Um, so I recently listened to your interview on the Calzumius podcast. Is that Calzumius, yeah. Calzumius podcast with uh, Patrick McKenzie yep. and, and a friend of his. Keith Parhuck, yep. Yeah, that was, a, that was a great podcast, by the way. People worth checking out. Uh, focused on seemed like uh, consulting, how to bill more as a freelancer, how to focus yourself more on the value you're providing to clients. Lots of useful stuff in there. Yeah, we, we jumped around... Uh... A bit. I mean, at, at first we talked about how to provide value or how to position yourself as a value producer to your clients. And we segued into uh, building a consultancy and then we went into, I think, lifecycle marketing. So yeah, it was, it, yeah, we, we jumped around, but it was a, it was a lot of fun to record. Yeah. Uh, so I, I went through the transcript last night. It's definitely worth checking out. Um, it, one thing that, that jumped out to me that I thought was interesting, which was a quote from you, you said for the first uh, year and a half after you moved from being a freelancer Mm-hmm. To running your own consultancy, you made less money. <laughs> yeah, which I thought was super. Like, how, how did that happen? Um, I think I had unrealistic expectations of cash flow. So, um, what I discovered was really when I was a, when I was a freelancer, it was more incidental work. Like, I would get referrals, and my pipeline was always steady enough, but it was really just providing for me. Um, I made the mistake of hiring around projects, and then I would have people, and there'd be dead time, and uh, they still had to get paid. And, um, obviously I was the last person to get paid. Right. So there were times when I couldn't pay myself just because frankly, I didn't have a formal business development strategy. Hmm. I, um, kind of assumed that things would just kind of stay steady, but in the world of consulting, it, it, it fluctuates. Hmm. Um, or at least it does until you get to a certain point. So, yeah, there were times when we were just starting out where we, you know, I had people on salary and, um, you know, they, they weren't fully utilized. So, um, and I had no idea how to, how to price according to what we were delivering. So mm-hmm. we were back of the napkin pricing looked good, but I never really, when I, when I started actually, you know, doing it for real and we scaled up, um, there would be downtime. There would be uh, just just different things, sick leave, yeah. things that you don't really you know always calculate for. So and, it's the big difference between freelancing, where it's just income going to you, yeah. versus now you have a fixed expense of an employee. And we had an office, yeah, and we had a lot of overhead. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, it, it was just you know I, I didn't. Frankly, I didn't do enough planning. I didn't do enough actual, okay, this is becoming more than just me. It's a real business now Hmm. with um, fixed expenses, and I need to budget accordingly and make sure everything's going to be able to uh, be sustainable long term. So what's a a good rough rule of thumb if I think an employee costs me X per week? What do you need to charge for that person's time? So um, I think, I mean, a lot of it frankly, depends on the worth of your brand, right? Like, I mean, companies like ThoughtBot will be able to charge a lot more than um, guys who are sitting out of their garage Mm because you have a track record. Um, 
So there, there's really two factors, I think. You need to first, I think, set aside money before bringing anyone on board. Mm. Um, I was talking to Dan Martell, who once advised me to bring basically have 30000 in savings per new employee, mm. um, even if you have the work for them, just to, just to kind of have a fallback plan. Sure. And even that's something, you know, even though, because I'm like I said, I made the mistake of hiring against projects. So we'd get a big project, multi-month project, and I would uh, hire people. And, um, you know, I, I didn't do enough planning and, and keeping the pipeline full for beyond that project. And, and I mean, eventually I figured that out, but I never, you know, I was more of a technician instead of a business owner and I was good at writing software right. and I, um, necessarily was not good at running a company until I, you know, I stumbled a lot and that's sure. really what that was. This feels like the classic trap. Yeah. Of like the maker that turns into the manager. Right. And like, exactly. it turns out those are not the same skill sets. No, no. I mean, it's, it's jumping. Um, if you ever read the Emoth uh, book series, it's have, the same yeah. thing. It's, it's technician entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of technicians go into owning a company that is some, you know, bigger than themselves. And uh, if they don't know what they're doing on the business side of things, it can be uh, pretty dangerous. Mm. Do you, are you still involved with your consultancy? Yeah, I actually, well, I promoted somebody to replace me. Okay. Um, I'm right now heads down on products. It's really all I'm interested in. Mm-hmm. Um, although I am ever since I, I've been doing a lot of, uh, blog posts recently on, um, how I've specifically around PlanScope, but how I've done things like, uh, increased growth rate from 8% a month to 18% a month. And, just different onboarding things and, and uh, retention strategies. And I've, I've gotten requests from software companies who are much bigger than me who say, well, if you can do that for yourself and you're at this scale, um, would you be interested in consulting with us on you know, implementing some of that uh, for, for our company? Uh-huh. So it, it's a so much you double diff- your rates and say yes? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it's, a, it's a much different type of consulting. I mean, I'm used to uh, you know, startups who need a product built coming to me and saying, uh, here's what we're thinking. And I would consult with them and, and help them put together a, uh, you know, multi-month roadmap on building something. And now people are saying, let's work together for a week or two and we'll just jump into, you know, whether it be the way we, uh, email our users or, um, a guided tour or, or something related to onboarding. Let's, let's put together a strategy. So it's more business consulting, I think, instead of just, um, kind of typical, Rails developer being hired by company X to build. Right. Which I imagine is a lot more profitable, basically, because you can tie the thing that you're doing to a direct increase in revenue. Yeah. And, and I've actually, uh, speaking of which, uh, one of my new mottos or, or uh, ways of operating is um, when a client, and, and I've only had two or three because I, I really just started doing this, but um, I will only work with somebody if I can pretty much guarantee that there will be a positive ROI. Mm-hmm. So if they come to me and they say my growth rate is X and I'm looking to get it to this, you know, or, or increase it, mm-hmm. um, I'll work with them to see if, if it's feasible to make more money than they're going to spend on me. And um, people like that. I'm sure <laughs> they like knowing, OK, you're only going to really want to work with us if you can guarantee that um the long-term effect of what the, our engagement will uh, will pay off more than we spent. Right. Um, which is something, especially when you're working with a lot of funded startups, they don't even have a, a profit model. So, you know, there usually isn't a, uh, there's not always a, uh, you know, that ability. <laughs> uh-huh. 
So you, you, we've talked about uh, PlanScope a couple times. Mm-hmm. Um, so that is, is that one of the, that's sort of your major product at this point, right? It's my long-term product. Okay. Um, Can you just describe that real quick? Sure. So um, I, I realized that there is always a disconnect between when working on client projects, between um, the scope of a project and what had to be done versus the money or the budget of a project. Um, so really PlanScope is a task management tool with integrated time tracking that lets you plug in your hourly rate. So you can basically, uh, your clients can see at any given time how much they're spending and and on what. Um, I really was inspired when I was taking a, a cab once to the airport. And I'm always frustrated when I'm in a cab and they don't have a, a, a meter because mm-hmm. I just think the guy's pulling a number out of thin air when we get to the destination. Mm-hmm. Um, and I realized, you know, I could kind of, I, I liked knowing that I could sit back in the in the back seat and see, okay, we're stuck in traffic for a while, and I can see my my price going up because we're stuck in traffic, mm. or there's a detour or something like that. So what what PlanScope lets your clients do and you do is see in real time um, where money's being spent on any given day, on what it's being spent, and um, how on track are we for finishing up the scope estimated with the budget we have remaining. Hmm. Um, so it, it's really targeting independent consultants, you know, freelancers uh, or small teams um, who primarily work on shorter engagements, you know, maybe a month, two month uh, project and um, who have clients who are very particular about the money being spent hmm. uh, because we do things like we send an, a daily email report to your clients that say, these are the tasks that were worked on. This is what you need to QA um, and this is how much money you spent today. Hmm. So, um, clients love it, which means are it's, it's hard. I mean, you guys as, um, being in the project management space too, with trajectory, um, getting, it's not always easy to get clients on board with kind of being active in a project. Mm-hmm. So, uh, our motto is force them to be active by constantly emailing them and saying, you know, this, this is a snapshot of where we are today. Hmm. Um, so yeah, I mean it's it's completely bootstrapped. I've never really advertised for PlanScope, and uh, it's growing pretty steadily. Mm-hmm. Um, it was like I was saying it at, at about an eight percent a month growth rate. Um, last month, I revamped entirely the onboarding. Um, so when you sign up, uh, I realized what was keeping people from paying, and that was uh, people. So we integrate with Harvest and FreshBooks and all these different time tracking tools. Yep. Um, what I realized is if people do not integrate and they do not invite clients, chances are they're not going to pay. Right. But if they do, especially if they invite a client, like if you, if you're in your trial period and you invite a client in your, your product, you're not going to be like, Oh yeah, the trial expired. Let's move on to the next app. Right. Um, so getting people to invite their clients immediately, um, uh, which is something that people want to do. It's just, it, it wasn't immediately obvious. So make that like the first thing they do when yeah. setting up a project, and um, it more than doubled the um, the growth rate. I, I'm constantly experimenting with different uh, things. I'm, I'm split testing. I'm doing a lot of different things. Yeah. So. What uh, What are you testing right now? Uh, right now, I'm about to deploy uh, capturing credit card info up front. Mm. Um, everyone who's done it uh, would never turn back. Mm. Um, they. It's just especially when when it, when dealing with support. You don't want to support people who 
never have any intention to actually become a customer. Right. Um, they just take time <laughs> and, and it's, you know, it's just some people will do that. They'll sign up and, and they never intend to actually, uh, to use your product. Um, yet they'll, they'll use your support and they'll, they'll basically be, I don't want to say it like this, but overhead. Mm -hmm. Um, and I'm also testing, uh, different variations of the headline on the homepage. So, Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I'm, I'm always trying to run a, a split test on something on the marketing site. Um, I'm, I'm starting to split test, uh, what happened because most people judge a conversion based on when they sign up. Mm. I judge it based on, uh, when they actually either become a paying customer or have a significant lifetime value. Mm -hmm. Um, so if it's really easy to sign up, that's great. But you know, 40 to 60% of people who sign up are never going to come back. Like they'll, they'll start their trial, but they will never come back. Yeah. So, um, that's not really the best metric to, to use. You need to look at the big picture. Yeah. So in terms of dollars, has the onboarding change been the most, uh, most profitable, the biggest needle mover? Yeah. Onboarding has been it. Yep. Um, yeah, I mean, it's been growing. We're just, I think I'm just shy of 4,000 a month revenue. Mm -hmm. Um, which sounds small, but you know, over, over time, um, it's been growing pretty pretty linearly i mean it's not a it's not a hockey stick curve or anything like that but um linear growth is nice i mean mm-hmm. the, the benefit of SaaS is you can kind of as, as long as your growth outweighs your churn you're in a pretty good position right so um i actually just blogged about this recently i uh i've been doing some of the info products because um in order to focus on building plan scope i need a runway of cash mm-hmm. so um that's why uh, the book's done extremely well in, in helping that. Um, and now a lot of people who read my book said, hey, I want to know more about what it was like, you know, with your consultancy. Uh, um, you know, I'm interested in I might not want to become a brick and mortar consultancy, but I want to team up with some people and uh, maybe do like a little virtual um, uh, shop. Mm-hmm. And um, so really what I what I've done is I put together a uh, really comprehensive workshop where I'm pretty much it's mainly about business development, but how to, how to, uh, you know, when you have a team, you can't just wait for people to come to you. You need to kind of make an effort. Yeah. Um, I, was, I was checking that out last night. It looks like you're almost sold out in terms of yeah, the, we the actually, first round of that. We had one more sale yesterday. So I think there are two seats left. There might be three. One mm-hmm. guys, um, might move to December, but, um, yeah, almost sold out. And I'm, I'm, it, that's the power of emailing. I mean, I, uh, I, I have a weekly email list that, uh, I'm pretty much just giving away free info, mm-hmm. um, which is a, really a follow up to my book. So you buy the book, you're on this list, or you can sign up to the list independently. Um, and I'm giving away free info, but that, that is the best way to get people to know that you're legit. Right. And then, um, I'm able to cross promote or upsell through that. And, um, yeah, uh, a good warm email list is, is really good. Right. Yeah. You were saying that the workshop sold like $13,000 worth in the first four hours. 14,000. Yeah. yeah it, which is incredible. Like, right. From, sent, from one said, email, basically. Yeah. <laughs> and you had you even built the workshop at that point? Yeah. I had about half of it done. Okay. Now, now it's complete. But okay. um, at that point, yeah, I had the first uh, first half complete. Mm-hmm. But it, it's just, you know, you're, you're never going to get that through a blog post or through Twitter or something. Right. Because like, um, email is a place where uh, people look at emails as being one-to-one communications, right? Right. Um, like, you know, Ben's emailing Brennan or something. Mm-hmm. Um, well, and it's, it's interesting too. Like I, I will, gl- I will glibly mark 200 
blog posts in my RSS feed as read right. and never look at them. Right. But like you would never do that with 200 emails. No. And, and emails are padded by uh, other important emails from clients or your boss or someone. Yeah. Right. I mean, the inbox is where uh, people in our profession do stuff. Right. Plus, like you said, you're sort of establishing yourself as an authority. It's, it's like, I'm, I'm here, I'm giving you use. Clearly, this guy knows what's up. He's emailed me seven times with really good, useful things. His ebook is probably going to be great. I mean, and I've got this, uh, not to give away too much of the secret sauce, but I have this, <laughs> this massive, uh, huge funnel that starts at PlanScope, um, where I offer eight free reports, which are sent over the span of a month. And then that crosses over to my uh, free uh, month or weekly newsletter. And that also that that the reports I have a discount coupon for my book. So if you stick around and you get enough, you know, I think on the fourth report is when I promote the book. Mm -hmm. um, I can try. I can basically say if, if you like the quality of the what I'm sending you here, um, you can get this times a hundred through the book. Mm -hmm. And then likewise, if you if the book has helped you a lot and you want to take the next step, if you're you know you're freelancing and you want to you want to grow beyond yourself. Um, now it's the book times a thousand. So it, it's just this, it, it's this very, uh, it, it's a big funnel. Yeah. Um, is really what it is. It's a funnel with multiple exits that all end in and mul multiple entrances paid. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah, I, I, I got a lot of this through, through, uh, uh, Ramit Sethi or Sethi. I think I can never pronounce his, yeah. his last name. Um, who, I will teach you to be yes. rich. Yeah. That, that guy's a master of this. Hmm. Um, and he has so many different product offerings. And it, it, he has legitimately valuable things to offer. And um, if, if you ever want a good example of copywriting, join his list. Because mm. he, he delivers um, sometimes multiple times a week, but really good content. Mm. Um, so, yeah, a lot of what he was doing inspired me to do what I'm doing now. So you studied Greek back in school, right? Yeah. How did that turn into this? Um, <laughs> so I went to, uh, St. John's college in Annapolis mm -hmm. and it's the kind of school where there's really no computers on campus. Um, I actually had to, this is back when they had unlimited wireless data plans in 2003, I think mm -hmm. on those, uh, PCMCIA cards that you could, uh, get from like Sprint or something. Yeah. Um, so the campus didn't really have good internet. So I bought one of these and I didn't have a laptop at the time, but I found like a, uh, uh, a, a, a whatever those slot things for tower computers, PCs uh -huh. that would let you put in laptop cards into it. Um, so that was my way of, of getting internet. And um, yeah, so I was studying liberal arts. I, I was studying the classics mm -hmm. and uh, I, I still, I mean, I, I read constantly. I still do a lot of reading, but I also, uh, I also like uh, technology. I've always, you know, liked computers and it wasn't a school for that. Um, but uh, I was able to do that on the side. And that's really when I started freelancing was in college. I was doing flash sites. Uh -huh. um, a lot of people got their start there. Yeah. 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 That, that are around this age group, this cohort, roughly, I think. Right. Right. Got started in flash. Yeah. We got, yep. I was actually, I, I did flash and then I started doing flex, which brought me to Java, which then brought me to uh, Ruby. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, it was, it was a, just a lot of lucky coincidences. You know, I had a boss, my first job out of college. I was doing a uh, Java development and um, he was a huge Apple fanboy. And that was when the, uh, that 37 singles video was on apple.com of them. Uh, it, was, it was basically like a, a, a pitch piece for rails and Ruby mm -hmm. and it had uh, 
Jason and DHH like in their little swank elevator in their office and my boss was like, I want that. <laughs> and, you know, he had this conception that uh, you would immediately be cool like those guys if you were using Rails instead of Java. So um, I got the Which green- is true, by the way. Right. Yeah. Exactly. So I got the green light to, uh, to um, this is like Rails 0.7 or something pre-1. Mm-hmm. Um, and honestly, I had no idea what I was doing, but it was a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. And uh, stuck with it ever since. Hmm. And then you sort of, you've made the turn towards the sort of, multiple streams of income SaaS app info product thing uh from a consultancy yes was that always the goal or did you want to just build the consultancy first um i think in the back of my head it always was the goal i I really looked up to uh i don't want to say lifestyle business owners but but product owners uh, you know people who have a bad word no i don't think it is but some people think it is (laughs) um we're not vcs here right so i you know I, i always just wanted I wanted products to enable me to have a direct relationship with a lot of customers and also make it so there would never be one customer who held too much sway. Mm-hmm. So with consulting, if you have maybe four or five active active clients, um, if one major client pulls out, you've got a staffing issue. Um, if you have a few thousand customers, one guy leaves overnight, big deal. Mm-hmm. So um, yeah, I've always that's always really appealed to me. Hmm. Uh, in June on your blog, mm-hmm. uh, you wrote, my strategy for getting new accounts was content marketing. I was hoping that by giving away information to consultants, the Google gods would reward my hard work. Not so, or at least not yet. Last month, I signed up five new accounts, which is pitiful comparatively. Mm-hmm. So it seems like at first that strategy you're using didn't work so well. It takes, um, you can have a lot of content, but until Google knows that your content's respectable, they're not going to rank it that high mm-hmm. um what actually fixed that was guest blogs or guest blog posts so i would go to um you know a, a a blog that was something my audience would read yep and i would just write a post for them and they would create a you know they would link back to it mm-hmm. and that really i think improved my page rank which then helped uh google index so i'm getting about a quarter of all new accounts organically now oh wow um which was definitely a step up. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I think back in July, I mentioned what I got five new signups. So five, or something. yeah. Um, and I think that was five paid. So I, I got a lot more trials, and, and I think a lot of that had to do with uh, really bad, you know, you basically dumping people into a empty account and not giving them any guidance on how to get started. Yeah. Um, yeah. Comparatively, I think last month it was more like. 20 or something so it's grown quite a bit hmm. um yeah so you i noticed on the ebook landing page mm-hmm. uh you don't mention how long the book is you never say how many pages it is right is um, that intentional that's kind of like saying uh it's like listing features uh-huh i mean i don't really i mean people care about results right. so i i talk about the um the uh you know the outcome of reading the book mm-hmm. which i think is ultimately what, what matters um yeah i've i've never been a i actually debated whether or not i should put that mm-hmm. and um some people gave me some people who have done this before said don't even worry about it like it does it's not a it's not really a factor what's mm-hmm. a fact and it's it's long enough i think it's 107 pages um what's ultimately a factor is uh are you emphasizing the pain points that people have mm-hmm. and are you providing a solution to that pain um how you get there it's kind of like i always compare it to the um the microsoft and apple strategy for when microsoft was selling the zoom how they would focus on 
this many gigabytes and and all these features uh, right. of the Zune. Um, and Apple's approach has always been more the emotional appeal. Like, mm-hmm. you know, you'll, it'll, you'll have all your songs or mm-hmm. um, the way they advertise FaceTime. It's not, you know, it was a soldier talking to his newborn child or meeting his newborn child across the ocean. Um, that's always been the kind of what I've been trying to. And, and a lot of that came from uh, Sean D'Souza, who put together a um, a product called the Brain Audit, which is is psychology. I mean, it, it's how you know people you you can't sell something unless people know that there is a pain that that product's solving mm-hmm. um and uh his comparison is always you know if 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 you're wet and cold out in the rain the solution isn't an umbrella the solution is to get out of the rain and to try, warm yourself so it could be an umbrella it could be going inside it could be any any number of different things mm-hmm. and um the the landing page of, of the book and and the workshop is really mainly focused on, um, you know, what you're going to get, what tomorrow will look like after you read the book. Hmm. And uh, the, the implementation is really unimportant if you can deliver on the features, right? Like if I open up the ebook and it's it's only four pages, but in fact it is amazing and it right. does what it promises. Right. It's that's okay. I mean, it reminds me of you know growing up in, in high school. You know, these your report would need to be X many pages, double spaced. <laughs> I mean, that's kind of like I just you know a, a, anyone who actually looks at it understands that that doesn't matter what matters is the content mm-hmm. so yeah uh you offer a refund uh for the ebook that also includes an hour of your consulting time yep. has anybody taken you up on that not for the hour i've had a total of two refunds and 800 and something sales okay so um i've also split tested the refund on the uh it, it basically i don't think it's a clean double conversion but that being there affects sales dramatically hmm. um just the sentence about offering the refund yeah wow yeah um it, it's overcoming objections right so right. people and i have a whole after the testimonials i have this whole section on objections you know is this for me why are you qualified to tell me this mm-hmm. um and yeah all of that just affects it helps sales and the fact is um okay so i've refunded two two copies of a pdf you know like <laughs> i mean it it hasn't it, it's more than the benefit has outweighed the oh, cost yeah. dramatically absolutely yeah so what does victory look like for you i think victory for me um will be when i get to the so it's already getting to the point now with my workshop where i might have enough demand to offer one every two months or one every month um that would give me a significant runway monthly for myself, um, which will then help me reinvest all that income into things like PlanScope. Mm-hmm. Um, when I can, I think by this time next year, if PlanScope stays at the growth rate it, it, it's currently experiencing, I think um, I'll be able to live pretty much solely off that, um, which will then let me, I mean, I, I'm pretty positive. I might be wrong, but I'm pretty positive that by January or February, I'll be able to stop doing the kind of consulting I'm doing now. Mm-hmm. Um, because consulting and building products is very hard. It's very hard to balance the two. It's a lot of context switching. Mm-hmm. Um, and the more I can just focus solely on building a better product instead of trading hours for money on the consulting side of things, um, that's when I think I'll... And I have a lot of people I look up to who who are there. Um 
people like uh, Ruben Gamas of BidSketch or Amy Hoy and Thomas Fuchs of Freckle, um, they've gotten to that point. And um, that's kind of the, they're the benchmark that I'm aiming for. Mm -hmm. And then what? Um, So you get there. I mean, honestly, this is all means to an end to be able to, uh, when I, when I was running the consultancy full time, I was working downtown. I would leave the house at 7 a.m. in the morning, get home at 7 p.m. I really missed like ages two to three of my daughter. Mm-hmm. Um, I've got a one-year-old and a four-year-old at home. I mean, they're, the the point of doing all this is to enable, I think, me to spend the time I want to spend with my kids and my wife. Mm-hmm. Um, that's really, that's what this all boils down to. You know, I, I, I'm not looking, if I wanted you know, massive riches and reputation. I would, I would look at the VC route or something or you know, the high growth startup type of a uh, lifestyle, but I'm, I'm really not that interested in that. Mm. It's interesting. I read in, uh, there's a line in Tim Ferriss's book, which is people say that they want to be rich, but when mm-hmm. you ask them, what would you do if you were rich? It's what they, what they really want is the freedom, right? They want the, the free time and the ability to choose what they're doing and where they go. Right. And it sounds like that's, that's true for you too. Yeah. And honestly, I get more enjoyment out of, building products that are helping people's businesses do better. So I get, I get a lot of, I got an email um, from one of my customers of PlanScope who said he actually discovered that you could use PlanScope to estimate projects because you, you plug in your rate and you, you can estimate a project. And he invited clients before they were actual clients into it and said, go for it, you know, reduce scope, add scope. And you can see in real time how that's affecting your cost or your estimated cost. And, um, he wrote to me saying he landed, I think, like a $50,000 job that he wouldn't have gotten. And he was the most expensive out of all the people that this client was shopping around at. Mm-hmm. But the level of transparency that my product gave his company um, made him get that. You know, so he, here he is paying me 12 bucks a month and just and landed. Um, the, I mean, that's the kind of stuff that I, I really that's it's rare to find that kind of uh result i think with standard consulting i think um when you're doing a a a great b2b product and i think a great product educates it doesn't just it's not just a glorified crud app you know it it helps people find a workflow or find a way of doing business that they didn't know about or think about before so planscope is literally changing for a lot of my customers how they run their projects and they end up having happier clients and um you know, better businesses as a result. And, um, that's something I, I've really, I've really enjoyed doing. And because it's just me, I mean, when I get a support ticket, it's, you know, Hey Brennan dot, dot, dot. I mean, it's never, we don't use any, you know, I'm using intercom and it, it's very, I mean, people have, people have paid me before they had to, because I replied in less than five minutes with a sent for my iPhone at the bottom of the, um, support request yeah so you know i i I love that kind of stuff Mm -hmm. you know i I like because it's the thing that i i kind of wish i had when i started out doing consulting Hmm. Um, and that's why i built it because i uh i realized that uh i didn't like getting into awkward 11th hour conversations with clients so the more transparent i could be the better and no tool is ever going to solve that but a tool can help i think Mm -hmm. um so yeah that's Plansco is definitely my my target, but one thing I realized is it's hard to get people to switch. Like, 
no one's like, I'm, I need a new project management tool, mm. but it's very, it's an impulse buy to say, Hey, why don't you pick up this book I wrote on how to, uh, how to revisit your pricing strategy. And then the book's philosophy is completely in line with my product's philosophy. And throughout the book, I, I subtly mention that I have this other product that, um, if they're, if they like the way that the book, if they like the philosophy of the book, they might like the philosophy of PlanScope. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't have concrete metrics, but it's driven a lot of sales um, for my SaaS app because uh, the book is really like a gateway drug. Right. So, hmm. so it seems like you've done a, a decent number of interviews recently. Mm-hmm. Uh, what is the interview question that you wish you got asked, but you do not? Uh, putting me on the spot. Mm-hmm. Um, Honestly, I think you already asked it. I think it was the, what's the end goal? Mm. Or, um, cause that, I mean, I've talked about that in private to people or during like the pre-interview part of mm-hmm. when I, when I'm talking to somebody. Um, but I think I was at microconf last year and, uh, Patrick McKenzie, the, or patio 11, the bingo, bingo, a card creator guy. Um, he, uh, that will forever be his legacy. Yes. Although he has appointment reminder, which is going to be right. his, his big exit. Mm. Um, but uh, he said something, I forgot, something in Japanese uh, about everything we're doing now is temporary or ephemeral or, or something like that. Mm. And um, he was like, you know, when, when we're all old and, and dying, none of us are going to c- care about, you know, our traction rates or growth rates or anything. We're going to care about whether or not we enjoyed you know, our life. Mm-hmm. And I see, this is why I tend to be very critical of, um, like the, uh, Silicon Valley way of doing things where, you know, it, it's, it, they pride themselves on overworking and, and mm-hmm. working too hard and, um, on stuff that is really a crapshoot in a lot of ways. Um, I wanted, what I'm focusing on now is really low risk, you know, low risk, relatively modest reward. Um, products so uh, whether we plan scope with the book or the course none of it was oh i've got this great idea i'm going to go build it it was always a a response to uh pain points that people were vocally complaining about online um so i knew there was an audience who was willing to pay for this and on all of these products whether plan scope i launched it and i had a hundred new accounts within a few hours because i built up a big mailing list Mm. likewise with um with the book I sold $6,000 of the book before it was even written um, as a way of validating because it's very easy for somebody to say, yes, I'm interested. Tell me about it when it's available. But when somebody validates your product with cash, it's significantly better. Yeah. Um, and I've, d- I've done the same with the workshop too. I mean, those first sales were, I only had about half the material complete at that point. Um, so I don't want to, I don't like wasting time on things that won't actually you know, pan out to anything. So, hmm. so if if you are lucky enough to have one, what would you hope your legacy would be? It's <laughs> um, a good question. Uh, depends on who the legacy is for, right? Um, if the legacy is peers or people who um, maybe uh, maybe consult or or have a day job or do whatever. Um, I think actually one thing that bothers me is that people I've been doing a lot of promotion on hacker news recently and a lot of people there have this really distaste of all things marketing. 
they have this idea that um, you can build something, you can build a really amazingly developed product you know, that's built the right way. It's fully tested. It, it, it's got a great UI. It's got it's done everything right, and that it should just find its way into the hands of the right people. Um, I think I saw a, a tweet from uh, uh, some I forgot who, but um, they were saying that growth hacking is just a a label to make marketing palatable for mm. people who hate marketing. Yeah. Um, and I think there's a degree of truth to that. And I think, like, I get a lot of enjoyment telling the story of why people should use PlanScope. I mean, the mar- writing the marketing site and communicating and, and talking about how the product is, you know, the product's just software, but using the software will benefit people. And, and that, to me, is something I really enjoy. And I don't, I don't know why there's this stigma around um, marketing being this evil you know terrible thing Hmm. um i think it's really just it's messaging and it's getting your your product something you've worked really hard on into the hands of people that need something like that Mm -hmm. and want something like that and um so maybe maybe that could be part of it (laughs) you want to improve marketing's marketing i just want to yeah i I think it, it has there's a lot we can learn from the late night infomercials and everything you know about how there's a difference in quality in the products, a huge difference in quality in the products. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm willing to bet that their refund rate is a lot higher than two out of 800, for instance. Um, but the, uh, I, I, there's so much, my dad had a timeshare company, which is, you know, <laughs> um, and he did a lot of work with direct mail back in the eighties. And, uh, I learned a lot from that and none of that's changed. Like we, we tend to think of, uh, internet products as being this different ball game that the old rules don't apply, but people really haven't changed. And what, what, what appeals to people through a direct mail postcard is, isn't as far off, I think is what appeals to people through a really nicely done marketing site. Mm. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that's definitely when it comes to my work as a consultant, that's what I really enjoy most now. You know, it, it's instead of hacking on code, hack on, I don't want to say people, but, mm-hmm. you know, like that, that, that stuff really appeals to me mm. um, and seeing the big picture and, and kind of bridging uh, the needs of a marketing department with the needs of an engineering department, I think is, is something I would like to have less of you know I, I see too many great products that just flounder and die because there's this war between whoever is trying to sell it and whoever's building it um hmm. so that's something that i i uh i guess that's definitely a huge passion point of mine hmm. well i think that uh just about wraps things up okay uh if people want to get in touch with you what's a good way to do that um on twitter i'm brennan dunn b-r-e-n-n-a-n-d-u-n-n or um me at brennandun.com uh-huh and planscope how would they find that uh planscope.io okay uh and i think there's links to things like your ebooks and things like that yeah all if you go to my twitter account and my bio i think i've got links outward to the different things awesome now often on the podcast we'll take time to answer your questions if you have something you'd like us to tackle on the air you can mail that question to info at thoughtbot.com or tweet to us at thoughtbot today's podcast was recorded by shauna quintal edited by edward lovell and produced by chad pytel thanks for
for listening. Thank you.